Connected man in Washington. WSB's Jamie Dupree. He's on every day with Herman Cain. 1106 AM every day. Sponsored by Charter Communications. On News 95.5 and AM 750. WSB. If our religious beliefs in the United States of America offend anybody who is a non-believer, I have some advice for them. Leave! Herman Cain, Solutions for a Better America. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson filling in for Herman Cain today. The phone number 877-310-2100. You can get me on Twitter and Facebook at E.W. Erickson. And joining us as he does every day at this time, Jamie Dupree from Washington. Breaking news. Breaking news every day with Herman Cain and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Eric, how are you today, buddy? I am good, Jamie. This looks like it is the the biggest story of the day so far. It's just coming across the wire. They're projecting that... Star Wars: The Force Awakens could make two billion dollars at the box office. Only two billion. Only two billion to be. I would bet I, it I'm, might be more than that. Actually, I mean, it would beat Titanic. And after, I'm so excited by this. I'm sorry, sorry. That's just, okay. It's it's excessive geekery, but it's okay. When is it coming out? Uh, Christmas. That's right. It'll be the big Christmas movie. Then. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess James Bond for Thanksgiving and Star Wars. What could there go you wrong go. with that? Okay. Uh, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah. So now Cruz is right now giving a big speech at, at the Heritage Foundation. He, he's no longer talking about crony capitalism. He's coined the phrase the. Washington cartel of lobbyist politicians and journalists. Just wrapped up that speech a few minutes ago here in D.C. Basically, it's his effort to say, look, there's all these different programs, and whether it's help for big business or all kinds of different uh, items in the budget that go to capital, you know, that go to uh, whether it's the sugar companies or others, you know, that it's time to basically say no more. Uh, The lobbyists and the businesses are all in cahoots, is his argument, and they're making sure that we keep spending money money on things we don't need to, like the Export-Import Bank would be one of his arguments. You know, look, I, I think what Cruz is obviously trying to cut out a, a, a section for himself in this Republican race for the White House, where he would argue that he is the only one who can really be trusted to go in there and change things, because he hasn't been around for a while. He doesn't suck up to the lobbyists and the reporters and other members. He's going to walk the walk and talk the talk when it comes to uh, getting things done and making big change within uh, the re- within the Washington, D.C. establishment and in both parties. You know, I was just looking at the polls a few minutes ago, and I, and I hate to even look at them at this point, but, you know, the sort of uh, the Ted Cruz and Rand Paul, both in some of the recent polls from Iowa and New Hampshire, both sort of struggling a little to get into that top tier where right now it's, it's right. basically Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, and Scott Walker. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to be interested because not everybody can do well here. There's too many candidates. There's only enough oxygen for some. And I'm going to be interested now in the next few months to see how do some of these candidates like a Cruz, how do they separate themselves from everybody else? And not in a in a in a sort of attention gathering way, but in a serious way to get out issues and items. You know, sometimes it's like with a horse race. You jump out fast and you can stay out there. 
Uh, but I don't know whether we're going to see like we did four years ago on the Republican side when it seemed like there was always somebody new that popped up to be the, the anti-Mitt Romney candidate. So Cruz uh, giving this speech today, hoping this can set himself apart a little as we move forward. Yeah, so the interesting thing to me regarding that setting themselves apart is you've also got Bobby Jindal announcing today, just got yep. the email of his campaign team, and now I'm told Scott Walker's going to wait one more month and do it in July. Yeah, July, I mean, he had wanted to do it this month, but the budget work uh, wasn't getting done quickly enough with sort of the, the basic story. And we're hearing that actually Chris Christie could be as early as next week. The New Jersey governor might make his announcement. Some have been saying maybe over on the Jersey Shore, which let me tell you, if any reporter has to drive to the Jersey Shore on July 3rd <laughs> or 4th, they're going to be cursing Chris Christie to have to do that. But, you know, there's there's four governors. Think of it. Jindal today from Louisiana, uh, the New Jersey governor, Chris Christie. You've got Scott Walker of Wisconsin that everybody thinks is going to get in. And then um, lurking out there and still ready like a Jindal but with you know not making a big impact in the polls is the the governor of Ohio John Kasich as well. So these four governors, but really only one of them with a big impact right now on the race, and that would be Scott Walker, who has been able to stay up in that top tier of the top three, sort of uh, Bush, Walker, Rubio, you know, alternately depending on what kind of polls are out there. And uh, obviously, you know, as I, I think I told you yesterday, I watched all their speeches here in D.C. last week at the, the big gathering that was here that Ralph Reed put on, and I was struck by uh, Scott Walker obviously has done his speech a lot. It flows out of his mouth. I mean, he's, he's on point. Marco Rubio, to me, still needs more time giving his speech. It doesn't really flow right now. And, uh, you know, I, I think that Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, they can give it whenever. Jeb Bush's big thing is, can he keep that energy that he showed in Miami, and will that stay around for a long time? But I just think, and I know this might not be that popular of a sentiment on talk radio, I think Jeb Bush is around to stay. I think he is too. You know, and I I think that it doesn't matter that he's got all the money or this or that. It just... I, I just think that he is in a very good position as sort of the establishment candidate in a race that has too many people in it and therefore splits up into very well, small Well, and pieces. that's the Kasich angle to some degree is to come in and see if he can pry away some of the support on the Jeb Bush front. Yeah, and I don't know if he can do that. I mean, you know, I knew him when he was here in the Congress. He's a great uh, he's- guy. Just ask him. He, uh, yes, he is a great guy. He's a very nice guy. He's, I always thought he reminded me of Newt Gingrich in a way, and that he's always bubbling with ideas. I mean, he's always got some ideas. But I don't know. There's only room for so many people. And that's why when you get past that first three people, who else can legitimately jump up right. and get into that race? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's a crowded field. Well, let's pivot to Washington. I mean, what's on your radar today? Um, two things. Well, one, I, I think real quick I want to mention... Um, uh, that uh, I, I, I'm just up here just almost with my mouth dropping wide open at the continuing news coming out of various southern state capitals yeah. about the Confederate flag. The governor of Alabama today uh, had the flag, the a Confederate flag pulled down that flies on the state capitol grounds in Montgomery. He made that call. And then Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi a little while ago put out a statement and said he thinks his state's flag needs to be redone. If you're not familiar with the Magnolia state flag, it's got the right. Confederate battle flag as an emblem in the upper left hand and you corner. know as I was pointing I remember that referendum in 2001 and remember the national media was shocked that the majority of black voters also voted to keep that flag and in fact the the governor of Mississippi came out yesterday and said he we've already had a vote in the last in the 21st century so why do it again I, I suspect he's going to come under more and more pressure to do it again yeah and you know and and whether you think it's right wrong that if people are moving too fast whatever that almost doesn't matter right now I'm just struck by the speed 
Uh, I'm struck by the big companies like Walmart, which is not what I would call a northern company or anything like that, that they've embraced this for whatever variety of reasons, whether you think it's right or wrong. You know, it's it, southern politics has always been a little different, and the involvement of the Confederate flag has always been a little different as well. And to see it happen so quickly here in the last couple of days is really something to watch. Yeah, you know, part of me wonders if those who are opposed can drag it out a week or two. Do, do they slow down the momentum? Oh, it could. Oh, it, it, absolutely. It, it could. I, I think that's uh, that's a very good point. On the other hand, just the fact that the conversation occurs, I think, is really yeah. interesting. And the and the genesis of it uh, with, with governors in other states saying they want to get rid of these specialty license plates and more. It's just, it's an interesting time. You, you and I talked yesterday about the infighting amongst Republicans here mm-hmm. in the House of Representatives. We heard from Speaker Boehner just within the hour in which he uh, uh, he told reporters that he had informed rank-and-file Republicans in a meeting this morning, they had their usual closed-door meeting, uh, that he didn't make the decision to boot Mark Meadows, the Republican of North Carolina, from his subcommittee chairmanship on the Oversight Committee, that Jason Chaffetz did that, the congressman from Utah who's the chair of the Oversight Committee. But Boehner said he thought that Chaffetz made the right decision and that he made it clear today to his members he supported that. And as Boehner said to some chuckling in the audience from reporters, I'm sure the family conversation will continue. And look, uh, there are members, and we've discussed it, and I'm certainly you've talked to some of them, who would like to still see if they could push Boehner out or find a way to retaliate against him. And I don't think this is going anywhere anytime soon, but Boehner's certainly not backing down at all. Yeah, he's not. In fact, we had Ken Buck on about 30 minutes ago. Uh, he's saying leadership came to him and asked him to step down from the freshman uh, leadership position. And so now they're having a spur-of-the-moment meeting at 830 the morning to oust him. Look, again, as I've said to you, and I know it's not a popular thing, but if you're going to get the benefits of being in a leadership position or moving up in the chain and you're not going to uh, sort of pull the weight with the leadership, then you should not be surprised if uh, you get pushed aside. Maybe we're dealing here with people who um, are not familiar with uh, the ways of sort of organization, but that sort of come in and have been elected to shake things up. And so they don't want to do that. I get that. But I also don't think that uh, they should be surprised that the leadership would push right. back. Again, my only caution would be, could you overreach? Sure you could. And you could galvanize opposition against you. But I think Boehner feels more and more, just the fact that he's talking about it in public tells me he still feels very secure in uh, in pushing yeah, back. Yeah, I think he does. My sense as well, though, the corollary here is that now you've got the, this this freedom call, because that, that split off after the infiltration, if you will, of the Republican Study Committee by more people uh, aligned with leadership. They've done this, this freedom organization now, and I, I get the sense that as much as the leadership feels emboldened now, that these guys, led by Jim Jordan, now feel like they've got nothing to lose. Sure, and and you can certainly do that. You do get to the point, though, where, again, are you fighting your own leadership to the detriment of your own party right. so much that you're then helping the other party? Uh, you know, we'll see what happens there, but obviously there's still a lot of rumbling going on down <laughs> the hallways about that. Fun and intriguing. Last thing I got for you, and I, I don't know if this is even on your radar yet, so I apologize, but the word is coming out this morning uh, that members of Congress are starting to get aggravated with news that it looks like this deal with Iran, we're going to give them this cutting-edge, state-of-the-art nuclear equipment in exchange for a promise that they won't make nuclear weapons with them. Yeah, I saw that that was an AP story today, that they got some documents on, on help that would be given 
to the Iranians. You know, what I find interesting about the situation with the nuclear negotiations right now is this, Eric. There's so little talk going on about it, whether, and I'm not blaming that on Congress, but there's so little being leaked out. There's so little indication of, are they really getting closer, or are they just, Mm -hmm. does it look like they're not going to reach a deal? Now, next week, remember, lawmakers are out next week. So several things, as we've been joking for a while, maybe we'll get the text of the U.S.-Iran nuclear agreement at the same time that the uh, gay marriage uh, ruling is handed down by the U.S. Supreme Court or something like that. But if you do get a deal announced next week on an Iran deal, all the players will not be here. I don't know if that's Mm going to factor into what goes on, but very little discussion about it because there's very little being leaked out about what's actually going on in those negotiations. Hey, real quick, um, have you heard anything on the congressional side about this OPM leak? It looks like the OPM and and FBI cannot agree on how much data was actually hacked. Well, I I think, A, the OPM chief, and she's up here again, has been giving lawmakers very, very little in the way of answers. Very little, either publicly or privately. But more and more people are beginning to see when their own employees in the Congress and people at the White House and people all over the federal federal government and people that I know who haven't even worked for the federal government for a dozen years are getting notified that their information was at risk. Yeah, I think that lawmakers fully believe that this is more than just four million people. Yeah, it's looking that way. You know, I got a buddy of mine. He and his wife had security clearances years ago. He worked for a member of Congress. She worked for the Department of Defense. And they got the letter in the mail. And, and the kicker was that they're going to get indemnified by the government, but only through the Election Day 2016. Yeah, and that's and also there. Uh, uh, I was told by one federal employee that a note went out to them that they could get this special coverage for their identity for identity theft, but it came in an email that looked like it was a spam kind of email, <laughs> and a lot of people simply deleted it. Wow, uh, government working as fun as Jamie Dupree. It's always great See to you, talk Eric. to you. Take care. All right, folks, uh, we're going to open up the phone lines. We'll carry on. If you got presidential questions or anything else, eight eight seven seven three ten twenty one hundred. It's the number. It's Eric. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.